What's doing, everybody? Today is Tuesday, July 18th, and I have the honor of being joined by highly decorated combat veteran Sean Parnell. And there is a lot to discuss, including trains that are derailing, cops that are fleeing, and whistleblowers who are whistling a tune about political interference. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. What's doing, everybody? I'm Alec Lace, and for the last five years, I've hosted an award-winning podcast called First Class Fatherhood. For the most part, I've done my best to keep politics out of the conversation, but I cannot do that anymore. That is why I've decided to launch a new show, The Alec Lay Show. So hit the follow button and let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to The Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. If you are watching this broadcast live here on Rumble, please hit that follow button and please share this with as many people as you can on social media so we can get more people into the live broadcast. If you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please hit me with a rating or review there to help us boost ourselves up in the charts for The Alec Lay Show. And thank you to so many of you guys out there who have been so supportive since I launched this new podcast about a month ago. I've had some tremendous guests on the podcast. Got another one today. Really an honor to have my friend Sean Parnell. There's been no other guest I've had on First Class Fatherhood more than Sean Parnell. He is a first class father. As I mentioned early on there, he is a highly decorated combat veteran. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. So I'm going to bring him on in just a second here. I do have one major announcement to make. This year, I will be swimming across the Hudson River with the Navy SEALs as they do their annual New York City Hudson River Navy SEAL swim in honor of all those that lost their lives on 9-11, as well as remembering their brothers who died during Extortion 17, which was the largest loss of life in naval special warfare history. Uh, there, It's a big, huge, I, in my opinion, it's the best event in New York City all year long. They're doing it to raise money for the Navy SEAL Foundation. Uh, if you want to help me, I'm trying to raise money. The link is down there below. Help me get across the Hudson River. This is going to be no easy task for me. I can guarantee you I'll be the only railroader in the water with the SEALs uh, come next month. So the, the event, this is, I think, their fifth annual year that they're doing it. The last two years, the previous two years, I've been there with them recording videos, doing interviews with them. I even did a couple of live spots for Newsmax, uh, doing some coverage with them. Actually, uh, Carl Higby of Newsmax is doing the swim this year, as well as Pete Hegseth and Will Kane from Fox News. They're all doing the swim this year. It's going to be, I think, the biggest event that they've had so far. They're going to have the leapfrogs parachuting into Jersey City. The event is is going to be out of this world and overflowing with patriotic Americans. So find out more about the event. Click the link down below. Uh, help me raise some money. Help support the event. Even sharing it on social media would be awesome and greatly appreciated. So find out more about that down below. All right, so here we go. Let me let me not waste no more time here. Let's get Sean Parnell. He's in the Zoom room here. Let's bring him into the broadcast. Joining me now, American hero, New York Times best-selling author, the host of the Battleground podcast, and my friend Sean Parnell. Thanks for giving me your time here on the Alec Lay Show. Hey, Alec, it's great to be here. Good to see you, my friend. Yeah, you, you know, I, I've had uh, you know over seven hundred dads I've interviewed on First Class Fatherhood before starting this podcast here. No one on the show have I interviewed more than you. You've been <laughs> you've been on the show more than any other dad, and rightfully so. You, you, you're you're a first class father all the way. But just like I said to you before we jumped on here, you know, uh, I had a transition into talking about what's going on in this country. 
because the politics have gotten so far out of control. They're affecting families. They're affecting fathers. And it's time that, you know, I, I think I need to speak up about it. And that's why I bring guys like you on. And I want to start with this story right here. President Trump, who endorsed you when you ran for senator in Pennsylvania, he put out this on Truth Social today. And I'm going to put it on the board for the people to see it. But the part of it here says deranged Jack Smith, the prosecutor with Joe Biden's DOJ, sent a letter stating that I am the target of the January 6th grand jury investigation, giving me a very short four days notice to report to the grand jury, which almost always means arrest and indictment. So it looks like the president of the United States is going to target his political enemy, Donald Trump, who's the number one contender against him for arrest and indictment again. What's your take on this? Well, obviously, I think it's sickening and disgusting and it's and it's anti-American, Alec. I, you know, we fought. I joined the military, went to Afghanistan, fought for this country to make sure that we preserve the freest, best nation on the face of the planet. I mean, ultimately, you know, our goal as responsible adults and, and parents is to pass on a country uh, that is better for our kids. And after 20 years of war, and obviously you saw what happened in Afghanistan and the void to be left in Iraq, I'm not so sure we're going to leave a country that's better than the one that we that we had, Alec. And and this is part of the reason why. I mean, this is one political persecution and hoax after the next. And I know that the term hoax is overused in, in this day and age. But if you think about everything that they've done to try to stop President Trump from becoming president, they they were lies and they were outright hoaxes. You look at like with the FBI, when Donald Trump, you know, went on 60 Minutes and said that they spied on his campaign, everyone said he was he was crazy, that it wasn't gonna happen. Even the interviewer at Leslie Stahl said, no, that's not true, we can't ver- verify it. Turns out it's true. The Russia hoax, right, which was trotted out by Mark Elias and high-ranking Democrats and then pushed out on the media, also turned out to be a hoax. But here, here's why things like this really matter. These these hoaxes that are pushed by the media matter because this all happened at 2018. In 2018, with the Russia hoax, for example, Alex, you even had a lot of very moderate Republicans thinking when they saw this stuff, this news about Russia trickle out, thinking like, oh my gosh, is there something about Donald Trump that I don't know, right? And maybe those people voted for Democrats. And that's part of the reason why Democrats had an unprecedented wave in 2018. And many Democrats who are still in power today rode that wave into the House of Representatives or the United States Senate. It was election interference. It all turned out to be a hoax. First impeachment, total hoax, lie. Second impeachment, total hoax, lie. And in fact, the Ukraine call, the phone call about Ukraine, really, it turns out that the Biden's are the ones that have this weird incestuous relationship, business relationship with Ukraine and the communist Chinese and people who generally speaking around the world who hate us. And this is what leads me to my my last point that I'll make on this, this, uh, Alec, is that what I've learned having waded into the political arena as an outsider, both during my run for the House in 2020 and my, my run for the Senate, is the Democrats and in the establishment will do whatever it takes to stay in power. And what I mean by establishment, this isn't necessarily party specific, Alec. Think about it like this. When Donald Trump got married, George Stephanopoulos was at his wedding. You know, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton were at his wedding. Katie Couric was at his wedding. You had members of the elite 
on both the Republican and Democrat side showing up at Donald Trump's wedding. When he was a celebrity before he ran for political office, you had both parties lining up for 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 his parties in his in his penthouses, in his lofts, in his nightclubs. The moment that the guy runs for president and turns his back on those elites, again, Republicans and Democrats that are just super, super wealthy, top one percent, those very same people turned on him and weaponized the system. And so the second thing that I learned was that anything that the Democrats uh, anything that the Democrats accuse conservatives of, Republicans of, outsiders of, you can guarantee that they themselves are doing it, which was the case with you know, Hillary Clinton in Russia and, and is the case with Joe Biden in Ukraine and the CCP. And it makes me sad. It, it is sad. And, and they led so many people in the wrong direction. Like you said, all this stuff was made up. The Trump-Russia thing dominated the first two years of his presidency. Exactly. And, and, and exactly. it really turned a lot of people off. But now you have him now. He's going to be indicted again, as is what he's saying here. And it wouldn't surprise me if this is the truth. He's going to get see it. Uh, you know, and he's blowing away the opposition. They know he's the guy that's going to be running against Biden and they're doing everything they can to dismantle his campaign. And you, when you said there with the call with Zelensky, little did Trump know he's calling Zelensky to look in on uh, on Biden. He didn't know the two of them were together, you know, and it turns out now we see it. And we and now it's like, oh, wow, he was he was set up from the beginning with this. He had no chance with that entire thing. And, and just to just to switch to show the other side of this. The report yesterday that was the head breaking news was that the FBI whistleblowers were confirming what the IRS agents were saying with this investigation into Hunter Biden. The And I'll put this up on a board. FBI officials tipped off Hunter Biden in the bureau's criminal probe of him and told former FBI supervisory special agent to stand by and not approach him. The oversight, the House Oversight Committee chair, James Cobra, announced on Monday confirming key portions of the IRS whistleblower allegations. So before they were even going to, which they never did even end up interviewing him, this whole thing over his tax fraud that would have most Americans in prison by now already, they, they gave this guy a tip off. It's almost like when you watch like a training day and he says, he uh, uh, Denzel Washington says to Ethan Hawke, hey, don't worry. You know, the captain's got our back. We know a week before we got a piss for drug tests. It's like they yeah. tip this guy <laughs> off to say, hey, this is going to happen. So don't worry about it. They, they're telling him now this is one guy who should be in prison, should be indicted. Nothing's happening. And then we see Trump who's got nothing going on and they're arresting him. So here's the two tiers of justice that they claim don't exist. Well, you're exactly right. And this is why Americans have very, 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 very little faith in our institutions. I mean, in some cases, no faith, Alec. Uh, you look at what's happening with the IRS and Hunter Biden, and you said it perfectly. Most Americans would have been in jail already. They would not have been lenient with me or with you. And, and if Donald Trump made one mistake, Right. During his tenure in the White House. I mean, and there were a couple. Right. But it's 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 always easier to be a Monday morning quarterback when you're in the Oval Office and you're sitting behind the Resolute desk and you've got threats from all around the world and you're engaging on economic policy and trying to make life better for the middle class. I mean, you got a million and one things going on. So you're not off. You, you generally believe that the people around you want what's best for you. Right. The problem is, is that Democrats have so corrupted every institution in this country and not, by the way, not the rank and file people. Right. So when, and I think some some Republicans oh, dismantle the FBI and scatter it to the four winds. I, I will admit that I have thought that from time to time. But then I take a step back and I, and I think to myself, well, I know so many FBI agents that I've met on the campaign trail 
first of all, that were great human beings, that were patriots. And and by the way, they were conservative. Uh, but what the Democrats do so well, and it's so important for Republicans to understand this distinction, especially when they go and hold office, is that Democrats are experts at infiltrating institutions and taking over key positions. Right. So when you have these people that are tipping off Hunter Biden, you know, about some IRS investigation for tax fraud, it's some high level far left communist that's telling him these things. Right. So it, it's it, Donald Trump, what he should have done when he got in the White House and what I, I know he will do this time around when he wins um, is this co- totally clean house. You know, fire the top 10 people from every organization. And I hate to say that Republican or Democrat, but you have to there has to be a purge of these career bureaucrats, because, look, again, you you have people in the mainstream media and and, you know, political pundits and especially people on the left saying, oh, the deep state is is not real. Well, I feel like every day that goes by, we see that the deep state is a little bit more real. In fact, The New York Times just came out with an article yesterday, Alex, saying that Donald Trump is going to is going to limit the power of these independent bureaucracies. And the thesis of the article was like, how dare he? Well, I say I think to myself when I read something like that, I elected Donald Trump to be president. I didn't elect any of these bureaucrats who were lifetime bureaucrats drawing a massive salary with pension and benefits and everything else. Like, I don't care what they think. The American people elected Donald Trump. They elected somebody to do a job. So if he wants to fire the top 10 people at those organizations and remake them or dismantle them altogether, guess what? That's what we elected him to do as the American people. So it. It's an unbelievably concerning precedent. You said it yourself. We would not be extended this 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 grace period by by the IRS and certainly not by the FBI. We would likely already be in jail. And but but this is what the Democrats do. They 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 corrupt systems uh, to to give them a pass while simultaneously weaponizing them against Republicans and and Republicans who take office just have to get smart on this. And you're you're right, just because like all these people, like you had a Dr. Fauci in his in his office that was uh, turned out to be no good. Christopher Ray turns out to be no good. Uh, the other guy, Comey, the FBI director, turns out to be no good. He had guys inside his own white. I, I don't even understand. Like I would curious to see what Trump has to say about it, like behind closed door, like. Who, who are these guys like what the hell mm-hmm. happened here and you're even seeing it now i mean i was hoping to have eric uh trump on here later this week i don't know now with this new indictment if that'll happen but i'm still going to try but as i'm curious to see like especially what we see with trump versus DeSantis now the people who have been trump 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 all along all of a sudden just threw their weight behind uh governor DeSantis. like steve cortez is one i had him on uh first class fatherhood he was part of trump's you know from the beginning and when i and i and i asked him about it and he was kind of gave me like an answer that led me to believe oh man he might not be supporting trump and then when DeSantis announced it he came out and threw his weight behind DeSantis, and i was just shocked by that and i can't imagine like trump i would imagine now he knows a lot more obviously than he did the first time he went in but i would think now when he goes in he's going to be like extra super cautious of who he keeps around him in the white house because it seems like everyone that was in there came out even one of his press secretaries comes out writing a book throwing shade against him how does he even know who he can really trust in there when it seems like everyone's out to get him well i mean there's a there's an old phrase and i think it was truman who said if you want you know a friend in politics get a dog you know (laughs) loyalty is something that is not a culturally significant value that people embrace in the political world. And again, I learned this, 
you know, the hard way as someone who ran for, you know, the U.S. House of Representatives and then one of the highest offices in the country, U.S. Senate, and one of the most important states in our union. Um, you know, people like to be loyal to you when things are really, really good, especially in politics. I mean, my phone would ring nonstop when I was the Trump endorsed candidate ahead by 30 points in the biggest swing state in the country. And, you know, one hit job from Republicans and Democrats and all of a sudden the phone doesn't ring anymore. And wow. that's but with, by the way, that is just, you know, the sort of superficial political contacts, you know, people like you, people who I've known for decades. I mean, they I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about people who are friends. But what I'm building to here, Alec, is that loyalty to me is is something that's very important and something that Republicans could use a little bit more of in in politics. And the reason for that is, is that we are up against a freight train of Borg like to use a Star Trek reference, Borg like communists and the Democrats who it doesn't matter where they're from. It doesn't matter if they're men or women. It doesn't matter if they're representing different demographic different demographics of people. They are the same on every single issue. And they have a trillion dollar plus media enterprise that helps regurgitate that propaganda. So if Republicans aren't loyal to one another, they're going to find fractures in our movement and they're going to they're going to divide and conquer. And and so with with President Trump and, and a lot of these political operatives who were around him in the White House, these are again, these are people even on the conservative side who spent a lifetime in politics climbing that ladder and you know, gravitating to people who they think might have power and pretending to be loyal. And the moment that they don't, they discard them. And what President Trump, I think this is this is what I mean, like by like one of the errors that he made. And by the way, I think it was an innocent thing. I mean, here's a guy that is a billion dollar business person. And this is the funniest thing, Alec, is when people are like, oh, my God, Trump is so dumb. He's a knuckle dragger. Well, you know, this is a New York City construction guy. So do we really expect those guys to be anything but knuckle draggers? You know, <laughs> yeah. of course, he's going to be a little bit of a knuckle dragger. But this is a man that wrote checks to Democrats and Republicans and had Democrats and Republicans in all of his organizations and was able to work with them. I know President Trump and I know his sons. I consider Don a, a good friend of mine. They're willing to work with anybody on behalf of the American people. But the problem is the Democrats don't want to work with him. The Democrats want to destroy his life. They want to destroy the lives of his children. They want to destroy his children's children's lives. I mean, and this is these, this is not hyperbole or an exaggeration. And so when Republicans aren't loyal, it just allows them to do that even more. So now that President Trump is indicted for like, what, the third time in a year, which, by the way, I, I reiterate, I think is complete BS. I think it's political persecution, something that would make the Soviets or Mao Zedong in China proud, you know? Um, yeah, and, and we got to stand, it, it, stand by our guy, Alec. That's the thing. We, we like President Trump is the only guy that is bringing new voters into the fold. He's the only guy with an actual base. And yes, 2020 was rough. We weren't ready for what the Democrats rolled out uh, against us. But I've never seen a political figure like Donald Trump in my lifetime. And I think with 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 Donald Trump as a Republican, it, it has to be ride or die because nobody can replicate what he's doing 
on the campaign trail. They just can't. There's not a single person, 16 people in this race. There's not a single person that can replicate what he does in the campaign trail. No. Just, I, I, just, I, I don't I don't think, Sean, we'll ever see anything like this again in our lifetime, the way that Trump is able to get people that, that show up at his rallies, the support that has shown. And, and he's a guy, too. I always constantly point this out when people say uh, people got tired of his mouth. Oh, he talks too much and all this. And that's why he lost the election. They point to all these other reasons. But Trump, if that were true, Trump would have got less votes the second time he ran, but he got 11 million more votes the second time that he ran. So it just shows that 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 makes no sense when they say that and they say, oh, he lost popularity and people were turned off by him. If that were the case, the numbers would have showed that. But they didn't. The ones that we did get to see anyway. So that's why I think, you know, he's such a pulverizing figure. And they're obviously they've been out to get him from day one. And, 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 you know. Uh, It's mind boggling. I wanted to hit on two points here just from from, you know, your state, Pennsylvania, where you ran for senator and what I'm seeing now. uh, Two things I want to hit on. One is this train derailment. The other is this homelessness that seems to be out of control. I want to put this video up here for the guys to see. That's what's going on in Philadelphia. And the governor of Pennsylvania yesterday, he's tweeting about ice cream and free Internet and all this other nonsense. But meanwhile, there's other videos that are coming. You know, it's like a zombie apocalypse in Philadelphia. Homelessness out of control. Uh, the, The drug addicts out of control. Mental illness out of control. What does it mean? What does this mean to you? I mean, this is this is the state you ran to represent. And what does it mean to you to see things like this? And it's just going downhill. Well, it 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 hurts. You know, this is Pennsylvania is my home. I'm fourth generation Western Pennsylvania. I'm a Pittsburgh guy, um, not from Philadelphia, obviously. But to see people in my home state hurting really hurts. And the video that you that you cut to is a video from Kensington, Philadelphia. If you go to Kensington, we kicked off our campaign in Philadelphia. One of the first people we met with was uh, a woman named Tatiana Villa. And she's a she's a Republican activist in Kensington trying to right the ship. Kensington uh, is an area of Philadelphia that has been controlled exclusively by Democrats for the last almost 100 years, Alec. Oh. These people, these their elected representatives do nothing for them. And when you say that you look at some of these videos and, and they're the one that you cut to and there's there's a bunch more. And if you're watching or listening to this, go to Google, throw in Kensington, Philadelphia, and you'll see the whole first page will be these crazy videos mm-hmm. that look like they could be taken from The Walking Dead. It's a tragedy. And I think when I see something like this, and I think a lot of Americans think the same way that I do, I wonder why we're sending over $100 billion to Ukraine where we're having these types of issues in our own, in our own country, right? When you look at the fentanyl that's, that's coming across the southern border that's being designed in the form of, of candy to look like Pez, that's things that come out, candy that come out of a Pez dispenser that to appeal to children. Fentanyl is the number one cause of death in this country. And a lot of those people that you saw in that video, they're they're addicted to opiates. Yeah. It, it probably started with pills. Then it was heroin. And now it's fentanyl. They are just it's destroying our, our country. It's destroying these small towns. And Kensington is the epicenter of all of it in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And you talked about the train derailment. And this is this is my problem with with you know Democrat, primarily Democrat leadership, but you know, also some Republicans, is that you know, we passed that big infrastructure bill, Alec. Let me ask you, and I know you're the one doing the interview here, but, uh, you know, have you seen any benefits from it? Has the infrastructure in your area gotten any better at all? No. Have you seen any money, any any money, the trillions of dollars that they passed in that bill? Have you seen any of that trickle into your community? Have you seen the people in Kensington, have their lives gotten better? Absolutely not. Where is that money going? 
That's America. I mean, look, we spend a third of our income, Alec, to the federal government, sometimes more that if it were up to the Democrats, it would be 50 percent, 60 percent. What the hell happens with that money? You know, we are our, our bridge. A bridge just collapsed in and around the Philadelphia area not a month ago. Now there was a train derailment in Philadelphia. I live 45 minutes from East Palestine, you know, and then yeah. a couple of weeks after East Palestine, we had a train derail in Pittsburgh. We got real, real problems in this country. And you know, when you look at the priorities of our federal government and what we're doing in Ukraine and how much money we're sending over there, I think it has a lot of Americans wondering who come from middle class families like me thinking like, what the hell are we doing with all of our money or our priorities messed up? And I think a lot of Americans believe that they are. I also, too, think, like you said, most people think, wait a minute, we're sending billions to Ukraine and we have cities that look like this. But also, <laughs> yeah. we also we're, we're we're importing millions of illegal immigrants into this country exactly. and taking care of them, giving them housing, giving them shelter, giving them food, giving them phones. But meanwhile, we have American citizens, American people on the streets like this that are getting destroyed because of the open border, which is bringing all these people in. And then when you talk about the infrastructure, I've, I've been working for the railroad for the last 23 years. So I, wow. I, I've been it, it's my it's been my whole life. And I, I was just on Fox and Friends last month. They brought me on because Joe Biden is trying to broker this deal for a, a new train system in the Middle East. And it, it pisses all of us off on the railroad just to see, like, wait a minute, everything we have is outdated. Everything we have is unsafe. Everything we have is behind schedule. Why are we over in the desert trying to help these guys build a uh, we don't even have high speed rail yet in the United States. He's over here trying to help them put a, a brand new rail system in the Middle East. While meanwhile, Americans are struggling over here. The railroad system, as you see, derailment after derailment. Now we have this one go down in Pennsylvania. It's happening over and over again. We don't hear about these train derailments in Japan or in Europe. We're, we're averaging 1700 train derailments a year in the United States and like 5,000 plus crashes. So, and this other guy, Pete Buttigieg or wherever he is, he's the transportation <laughs> secretary. This guy's like trying to breastfeed children and stuff. It's like, <laughs> what, 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 what's happened here, Sean? Well, I mean, so I think you articulate well, the false promise of globalism. You hear, especially these, the, a lot of Republican candidates who, you know, they get on the campaign trail and talk about globalism, but they don't really use the, the actual personal examples like the one you just laid out at the railroad, people that spend their whole life working in, in that industry and then scratch their head after work and wonder why the hell we're working so hard to build a train system in the Middle East when our trains are falling apart. Or if you if you take a drive through western Pennsylvania, just any politician, take a 45 minute drive through Beaver County up north to Erie, take a few back roads on your way there. And you will see one small dilapidated town after the next. Those those towns collapsed in on themselves like dying stars because politicians closed their manufacturing facilities and shipped their jobs overseas. And because of that, people in those towns lost everything. They lost their ability to provide for their families. And what would Democrats tell them to do? I mean, learn to code, right? Or we'll just make sure you're set up with a job in 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 the green energy industry. Well, there was just an article written a couple of days ago. I can't remember Washington Post or something else saying that those green energy jobs aren't going to be readily available for people uh, in the old energy industry like coal or natural gas. They don't necessarily translate. So uh, we're destroying our country through the failed promise, the false promise of globalism. And this is this is so this is what it means to me to be a populist when, you know, God, like people 
use that term like it's derogatory yes. and they use America first as if it's racist. No, I my views have no race, creed or religion. I took an oath to the Constitution and to this country and to make life better for to protect and defend this country and make life better for our fellow our fellow Americans. And in almost every single way, the American economy under Joe Biden or our country has degraded. And it's it really it can't the, the fault can't be laid just to Joe Biden. It was at Republican and Democrat leaders for the last 50 years. But President Trump was not one of them. And, you know, this is a guy that, you know, for all the people out there that say, I don't like his comportment. He says crazy things on Twitter. OK, fine. I, I, whatever. I, I didn't I'm not electing President Donald J. Trump to take my daughter out on a date. <laughs> you know, I'm not electing him to babysit my children. I'm electing him to walk into a room with President Xi of China and have President Xi scared of what that man will do. I'm electing him to make our country better. I'm electing him to be a tough businessman. This is the thing, this is the thing that many people don't understand about Trump. What's their, they've, they've brought out everything out of left field to, to bring this man down. Many of this, so much of this stuff, Alec, is completely fabricated, total lies, completely made up. They haven't stopped him yet. So, so what? What possibly could they do to make to to to, to try out against President Trump to try to alienate his favor? It's not going to work, you know. But the same can't be said for somebody like DeSantis or anybody else who's running for president. They are a big question mark, and I think you see, you know, campaigns on the national stage when they start to falter, it's because you know it takes a special kind of candidate to campaign at that level and have that kind of base. I mean, it requires an, an, an odd mix of authenticity, uh, you know, being anti-political correctedness and, you know, right policy issues. But Donald Trump sort of has all of it. And, and that's why I'm behind him, because I think for me, loyalty matters. And and I don't really care, you know, how he conducts himself. I, I want this country to be better off for for my children. And I believe that he's the best way to do it. Yeah, well said, Sean. And I, and I agree. And I, I'm kind of, you know, mind boggling. And I, I like Ron DeSantis. I interviewed him on my show. Same. I, I like Vivek Ramaswamy. I interviewed him. I found mm-hmm. him to be genuinely pretty good at what he was saying. He's very well, very well versed. But they're, they're not. I, I still am mind boggled by why DeSantis chose to run. I don't I don't think it was a smart unless he knows for sure that Trump's going to be indicted. It seems like it's the only way he has a path to beat Trump in the primaries is if Trump is out of the way. I mean, there's there seems like there's no other way for him to do it. And I think he kind of hurt him. He damaged himself a little bit, I think, by doing this. But when you talk, you know, Joe Biden is everything that they told us Trump was, you know, Trump mm-hmm. was supposed to be this, uh, you know, terrible family guy. His kids are all successful. They all talk to him. They all have great relationships with him. Joe Biden has a granddaughter that he won't even acknowledge her existence. This Navy Joan Biden. So here's a guy that's saying, oh, I love all my grandchildren, but doesn't talk to one of them. Here it is. We're supposed to have decency back at the White House. you got naked men exactly. and women on the white <laughs> uh, on the lawn. you got cocaine in the White House. And then we hear, oh, it's not the first time illegal drugs were at the White House. So where is all, you know, everything they told you Trump was all this stuff. He was the corrupt one. What we're seeing now with Biden, with everything that's going on with these Ukraine dealings with the with the Biden laptop, the money that was sent over, uh, Biden was a part of it. All of this stuff they were telling you about Trump is true about the guy that's in the office right now. And everyone's acting as if like, oh no, that's okay. Like all these people that were so pissed off about Trump because of these things, they pay no attention to it. The fact that it's going on with Joe Biden, it makes absolutely no sense. Remember when I said earlier in the interview that everything the Democrats accuse Republicans of, they themselves do? You just articulated it perfectly, my friend. I mean, that's exactly right. 
Um, there's a double standard. Uh, the Democrats are a way to get they, they they are able to get away with this stuff because they have a media that allows them to do it. You know, it, it, there's an it, I saw this video of Joe Biden back in the day talking about like, first of all, he's a terrible human being, like a very bad person. You talk to anybody in Delaware, even even his Democrat donors. My, my wife is from Delaware and she's she's she was in Republican politics there for some time. But even his Democrat donors will tell you that Joe Biden is a terrible person, a mean spirited person. He's not the, you know, old lunch bucket Scranton Joe, like re great retail campaigner. He's a bad person. And I mean, for example, like his own veneers, Dr. Lyons out in, in Delaware, like he didn't even pay for his own teeth, but he's out there on the campaign trail you know, smearing President Trump for a contractor dispute with drywall contractors. I mean, he is he. It, there's video that I was referring to is Joe Biden, like insulting some guy's IQ, like way back in the 1970s and talking about he was at the top of his law school class and had three degrees and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. All Turns false. out all of it. Yeah. All of it was a crazy, crazy lie. And what's more, how he confidently just rattles that stuff off as if it's true. I mean, it's crazy. And and back then, though, you know, we the media back then, we all I mean, people knew that it leaned left, but at least they held him accountable because the media, you see all these people in NBC News like, well, it turns out Joe Biden does not have three degrees. Right. He graduated <laughs> near the bottom of his class. They know, would they never do like, that today. They would never do that today. They no. would never, ever do and, that. And the today. other thing, too, Sean, he gets away with like, I just had Larry Elder on the show. And it's like, <laughs> here's Joe Biden says, oh, if you don't vote for me, then you're not black. And, yeah. and nobody even got offended or insulted. Meanwhile, there's a guy in a monkey mask throws an egg at Larry Elder and no one blinks an eye. <laughs> it, it's so mind boggling. Like, you know, and that's another one of those things where it's like the race, race, race. And then you have, you know, you say you have Democrat cities for 50 years. They've been Democrat and nothing has changed. But we have seen a blueprint where a Democrat city went Republican when Rudy Giuliani came in and took over New York City, when New York City was the crime rate was far worse than it is right now. People, the murders, it was like 2000 murders a year in New York City when Rudy Giuliani came in and he had his policies and they worked. We have a blueprint where he changed it into the tourist capital of the world. So we see something where it worked. Why don't we try to duplicate it in some of these cities that like Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia? Why don't we try to implement some of these policies? What is it going to take for these people to look around the neighborhood and say, we, we got to try to do something differently here? Well, you know, because I think that the Democrats look at cities strategically and said, you know, from a 30,000 foot election standpoint, they said, if we can somehow control the cities and get these people out to vote, or maybe we just fill out a ballot forum or back in the day in, in the cities, the, the, you know, even and go talk to anybody in, in Philadelphia. Seriously. I mean, you know, the media would have you believe it's some crazy conspiracy theory, uh, theory to believe what I'm about to tell you, but you go talk to anybody off the street in Philadelphia and say, Hey, is, do they vote a fraud a thing here? And they would laugh because yeah, of course it is. Everybody knows it. Before there was no excuse mail-in ballots, what they would do is just wait for the precinct to close, go through the poll book, see who didn't vote, fill out a ballot and vote for him. It's what they did. They've been doing it for forever. I mean, they did it in the 60s against Nixon. There's books written about it. The Carter administration did did a big investigation or did a big uh, commission, the Carter Commission on mail-in ballots, found that they had a high propensity for fraud. Europe banned all mail-in ballots. But so 
because of their propensity for fraud. But my point is, is that Democrats look at cities as as densely populated areas and they say, if we can control these small areas in these densely populated areas and somehow get these pe- get the, get these folks to go out and vote or figure out a way to vote for them or harvest their ballots, we can control power in states. And that's that's why their stranglehold on those states is or on those cities in those states is so strong. And 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 that's ultimately why they decline, because Democrats don't they're Democrats are the party of they the people. And I, I talk about this often, but this is an important point. And I talk about Democrats being the Borg and they all think alike. Well, a Democrat congressman or woman from from California, Southern Florida, Pennsylvania, they're all the same Republican congressman or woman from California, Southern Florida, Pennsylvania, they're all very different. Why? Because they truly represent their constituents. And constituents, American people, and their needs differ by geographic region. They're very different people. So as Republicans, our views mirror them. And we find those views brought to Washington, which is why the Republicans are often divided. Democrats aren't that way. And so the Democrats see themselves as the party of they, the people, which means they see themselves above the people. Um, and never more is that manifestly apparent in, than, than in cities, because you have, you know, all the county executives in these cities, mayors getting sweetheart deals and kickbacks and crony capitalism. And you, know, you see that stuff over and over and over again, while at the same time, entire city blocks are collapsing. Go to Detroit. Your flyover Detroit. It looks like almost like a, a dilapidated, you know, a, a, a place that a war zone that was never quite rebuilt, you know, and and that is the direct result of 50 to 60 years of Democrat policies that prey on the people so that they can make themselves rich. Republicans don't operate that way. And look, a perfect example of this is that how Democrats take care of one another. Um, again, Democrats are the party. There's just been this odd shift in my lifetime, Alec, where Democrats used to be the party of hardworking union Democrats, you know, hardworking Americans. I come from a union Democrat family, people who were they were by and large pro-life, pro-gun, pro-America. They just like to protect and look after look after the little guy. Republicans were the big capitalists, you know, the corporate people. That's totally flipped on its head. Democrats are the party of Hollywood. Uh, they're the party of the media elite. They're the party of billionaires and big tech moguls and all that stuff. They're the party of academics. And so I just think that Republicans just need to embrace that identity. You know, they need to embrace that identity moving forward. And, you know, they need to go. I mean, uh, frankly, it'd be great to have pragmatic Democrats coming back into the fold. Like, you know, say what you want about Robert Kennedy, but. I could see my family who are union Democrats voting for him, you know, because he checks a couple blocks. You know, he he's well, actually, he checks one block. I get the sense that he likes America. I don't feel that way about any other Democrat that's running. I just don't. They always make America seem like it's a terrible, evil place. And Robert Kennedy doesn't give me that vibe. And so I think because of that, I mean, maybe there's some hope for that party where they can drag them back from the dredges of communism. But I, I don't know. You can know. see we'll what see. they're doing to him already, how they're trying absolutely. to smear him already. Absolutely. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's, and and it seems like the Democrats like 60 years ago, whatever it was, had this plan in place to say, hey, you know what? If we can get control of Hollywood, if we can get control of the media, if we can get control of the universities, you know, we'll be able to maintain power for years. And it's it seems like it's working They're They seem like they, they are better at this game than the Republicans. And it seems like now there's movements inside the Republican Party 
that are starting to wake up and starting to force out the rhinos or these people that just don't belong in the conservative movement or the Republican Party. So hopefully this will start to change. It's a little a little late. I hope to, not too little too late. But we're going to see. And one more thing before I get you out of here, Sean, I just want to touch on this because California is set to pass this bill out there, AB 665, and it's going to let children 12 years old and up be able to leave the home without their parents' consent, consent no due process. We're also seeing that they're going to have where in divorce situations and custody battles where you're going to have one of the parents that wants to transgender their kid or transition their kid to the opposite sex. If the other parent is opposed to it, that's going to be seen as an issue, a custody issue. And they're going to use that to keep in most of the time. It's the father to keep them away from the kid. So you've been through this nightmare of the court system that we have that's corrupt in our country already. Adding things like this into it. What is this going to do to to, to our families in this country? Well, I'm still stuck in the family court system, and it's a hellscape that people don't really understand. Um, the last thing that the state needs is more power to to hurt families. And this this is a part this is a Democrat goal, right? The destruction of the nuclear family makes it easier for the Democrats to remain in power, right? It it make because at the core of what Democrats believe in, they don't they they're not they 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 don't I don't want to say they don't believe in God, right? That's that's too much. But but they what they believe in more than anything else is worship of the state. And it's easier to get people obeying and listening to the state when families are fractured and they don't have a mom and a dad constantly telling them and trying to 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 teach them about what's important in life, to teach them about values that should be em- embraced versus things that aren't desirable. And when you look at some of the, I mean, God, not only is, is California rolling out these crazy things, they're a sanctuary state uh, for transitioning children. So you, t- you talked about custody battles and, and what parents are going to eventually do, and, so, and certainly some have done it already, is that parents will say, oh, well, my, my son thinks he's a girl. And then one parent runs off to California and California is not going to extradite them back to their own state because yeah. they're a sanctuary state for trans kids. All this does is destroy families. And the last thing that, that this state, as I mentioned, leading into this segment, the last thing that states need is more power to destroy families. All the, the billions, and it is, the family court system is a billion dollar industry. And it is because you know every state doles out child support, but the federal government reimburse, this is what so many people don't know this, Alec, and it just sort of blows me away, but the federal government reimburses states for the amount of child support they dole out almost on a dollar to dollar basis called title four D funding. And as long as there's an incentive for, for states to split up families and award child support, I'm not saying the child support shouldn't be paid. It's, it's, it's important. Kids should be supported by both parents, period, end of story. But, but as long, if, as long as there's a financial incentive for, from the offered by the federal government to states to split up families, the problem will get worse. And if you look at, you ask people, Democrats and Republicans who truly care about this country, who maybe don't pay attention to politics all the time, how can we best get this country on the right track? Probably in the top 10 of their answers is raise better kids, have stronger families. But the family court, you know, millions, and I mean millions and millions of kids are trapped in this system. They, these are children that did not ask for their parents to be divorced. They want to have act. And by the way, I'm not talking about in cases of, you know, horrible domestic violence. I always have to make that side. stipulation. They right? have to make that stipulation, but it should go without saying. But the, the fact of the matter is that even in those circumstances, I mean, like 
and I'm not talking about real abuse, but there are so many false accusations leveled in family court, and there's no accountability for them ever. So as long as there's an incentive to level false accusations and financial incentives for states to split up families, the problem is going to get worse. And that doesn't make our country better. It makes us weaker, and it plays right into the hands of the Democrats. And again, I mean, Republicans need to tackle these issues, but especially the family court. But you know, more often than not, people, you know, especially Republicans think like, oh, well, these are these are family issues. These are private issues. I don't know. But they need to get their hands on this stuff because they don't truly understand how corrupt the system is. Yeah, right on, Sean. And, you know, you also have hustlers out there that will take advantage of this where you already have moms that are like uh, coerce the kid into what to say when it comes time to. Now you you guys can say, hey, listen, <laughs> this, is what we're, this is what we're going with. You're going to say you want to be a boy. He's going to go against it. You're going to live with me. And that's going to be the way we'll do it. You're going to have people that are going to take a small percentage, but you have people that are going to take advantage of these things that are going to go in there. And, and you know, what's interesting, just, just to close this out, to, to put a fine point on what you said at the beginning about what they tell you you are, they are. Here's the Democrat Party that was telling you that Trump was trying to separate families at the border. Oh, he wants to separate families. Look at the kids, which the Democrats are doing in this country to Americans are separating the families and breaking them down. And, and it is destroying our country. And there's no way in the world the country gets better unless we strengthen our nuclear families, unless we get dads back in the home. I harp on it. You know that I do. But all of this other stuff, this homelessness, this crime, the teenage pregnancy, teenage suicide, we could throw money at all of these things. But if we don't throw family, we don't throw love, we don't throw support, none of it's going to change. So I think that's the key uh, to unlock all this stuff. And I think parents are the underdog in this country right now. That's why I'm here on The Alec Lay Show and bringing guys like you on here. And uh, j- Real quick, hit us. What's coming up on the Battleground podcast? What are you working on? Oh man. So we've got, uh, we're, so we've got so many cool things. I mean, podcasting is so fun. And I often say, Alec, there's nobody that works harder in the podcasting space than you. <laughs> you are, you are, you are prolific, but we've got a, a secret service agent named Jeff James on. He's coming on the, the episodes going live tomorrow, but we talk, I mean, the media would have you believe that child sex trafficking is some sort of vast conspiracy theory, especially in the wake of the success of the movie sound, a sound of freedom. This is, this man worked at the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and the stories that he told me were horrific. Uh, it's a, it's very, very real. There are more slaves being trafficked into America than at the height of pro- just prior to the Civil War. But you're not seeing public auctions. You're not seeing people in shackles. It's a horrifying industry that's happening right under our noses. Most Americans don't. They, they don't even know about it. They're not tracking it. They're not tracking it. They're not aware of it because it happens online and, and behind closed doors. But it's happening and people need to know about it. And we also talk about um, how to protect your children uh, from these types of predators. And so, it, I mean, it was a fascinating it was a fascinating uh, interview. We're going to do it in two parts. But that's something that has been a, a very, very pleasant surprise for me, Alec. And I know it's it's not a surprise to you, but just getting to talk to some amazingly interesting people. And that's that's ultimately what battleground is the the podcast is all about talk to inspirational people who have overcome a lot in their lives and maybe can teach us a little something so i mean if you're watching this go over and subscribe to you know battleground podcast on rumble i'm over there i mean i interviewed carrie lake on youtube and they just totally they just totally nuked my channel so i figured why the hell would i invest all this time and energy on youtube i'll just go over on rumble (laughs) so i started over completely there so that's why i'm there yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I'm just over that, man. I'm totally over. I'm totally over getting canceled and suspended. What? Why? Why? Because Carrie Lake? Yeah. For God's sake, she ran for governor of Arizona. So we didn't say anything crazy. You know, it, it 
anyway, I'm done with I'm done with that nonsense. So I'm over on Rumble. Subscribe to the channel if, if you feel so inclined. But Alec, I mean, you're awesome, man. You've been you've been killing it. And thank you for giving me this opportunity to come on and talk with you today. Yeah, always honored to have you on the, um, the the podcast. The link to the Battleground podcast is down below there if you guys want to hit it, check it. I do love the fact that you had some of the Outlaw Platoon guys on there get a chance <laughs> to talk to them. So really cool stuff. Encourage everybody to check it out. Uh, Sean Parnell, always an honor. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time on the Alec Lay Show. Yep, thanks, brother. Thanks, Alec. Take care. All right, that was awesome. Always a tremendous honor. Anytime I get a chance to speak to an American hero like Sean Parnell, I pray to God that we see him you know, back on the ticket, running for office again soon because we need guys like him in there fighting for us, we the people. And uh, uh, Sean Parnell is a great American and just uh, an awesome guy. Just honored to know him. And as I mentioned, I've had nobody on my other show, First Class Fatherhood, more than Sean Parnell. So always a pleasure. Uh, the link down below uh, will connect you to Sean Parnell's social media accounts. You can go over, follow him, follow up on what he's doing. He's got an awesome podcast, the Battleground podcast, uh, that, that he brings on amazing guests. And so go check him out, support him, and see what he's doing. Again, if you want to help me swim across the Hudson River, the link down below uh, we'll connect you with that, find out more information about more great Americans doing great American things in support uh, of those that we've lost uh, in the past on 9-11. And of course, like I mentioned, Extortion 17. So thank you so much for all you guys that tuned in. We have got some major issues in this country trying to break them down here. So many parents right now are scared of the world that they're bringing their kids up in. And it's going to change. It has to change. And, uh, you know, hopefully bringing awareness, sharing broadcasts like this can help make a dent in what's happening out there. And I will continue to do my best to get as many good guests on here as I can. Just like Sean, you've seen some of the other ones here on the wall. Got to update the background as I keep flowing in with the guests here. Larry Elder, Carrie Lake. Nobody knows more about rigged elections than Carrie Lake does. Uh, so Senator Josh Hawley. So if you missed any of those episodes, just go down on my channel below there and you will be able to find them. Take a listen, share them if you'd like. I'll be back here on Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Follow me on Instagram at The Alec Lay Show for all the upcoming guest announcements. I'll post them there first. You can also find the show on uh, Facebook and uh, at uh, The Alec Lay Show. And then on Twitter, I'm just at Alec Lay. So follow me over there. Be greatly appreciated. Again, um, thank you to Sean Parnell. Thank you to you listeners that tuned in. God bless America. God bless our first responders and our military. God bless you, the listener, and I will catch you Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on Rumble.